If you have your Bibles, you can take them and open them to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. And as we just finished praying, I would like to invite you to pray over a couple of things today and this week. Uh, First of all, um, our trunk or treat is tonight, and we look forward to welcoming in the community. We'll give you more details about uh, decisions to be made as it's a little bit rainy outside. Um, and so, uh, Greg, will give you some, uh, just some information on that at the end of the service. But uh, I would ask that you would just pray with us uh, towards this evening as we have prepared for, uh, for welcoming the community in, and uh, whether it's raining or not. And so uh, he'll give you some more information on that. But we are, are extremely uh, grateful for the opportunity to minister to uh, so many people that come here during this time of year. We have actually prepared our own uh, gospel track that we will put in uh, every bag for uh, people that, that come through. And uh, Heath Haney, our East Campus pastor, wrote that, and our lead staff got together and um, sort of edited it and, and made sure that uh, it was ready to go. And, um, and, and we look forward to handing that and putting that in the hands of many people that come through here. That, do you know there, there are, are, while handing out a gospel track is just one method, it is a method, there are people that have been saved uh, through, through gospel tracks, amen? And so um, if we never, it's one of those, if we never see you again, we want you to have the word of God and the way to right relationship with God in your hand. Uh, I also would like to ask you to pray for a church on the road. Church on the road will be next Sunday night, 6 p.m., uh, November the 6th at West Limestone High School in their gymnasium. Uh, once again, it, it's not a request for everyone that's here to be there that evening, but if you live in the West Limestone community or if you have friends that you'd like to invite with you to come there because they live there, um, and some of you have already told us that you'd like to attend for that reason, um, if, if you would consider being a part of a church plant, again, we've been telling this to everybody that asked that we are not planning a church in West Limestone, but we are certainly open to it if God would lead us in that direction. Uh, It's a one-night worship service in a nearby community. We feel like the Lord is opening that door, so we're going to go through it. Amen. And so we just ask you to uh, please pray over these things. Um, the, The longer I'm in ministry, the more I realize that I need to talk to God. The more I realize that we need to factor God into his own work, because if we don't, we're just doing it on our own efforts. And from what I read in the scriptures, apart from God, the Bible says we can do nothing. We can do nothing. So let's pray right now. Let's pray over those things and we'll jump right into the word. All right, Lord, we once again thank you for the blood of Jesus. It gives us the confidence to talk to you. Oh God, that you would hear our prayers in the heart of us, Lord, is is really unfathomable. God, to, to think about how we can bow and talk to God. Lord, you are our father. You are our king. Lord, you are our friend. You are our provider. So Lord, we just ask God today that you provide for us, Lord, that we would be in a position to minister to a lot of folks this evening. Give us wisdom as we make decisions through the weather. Lord, clear the weather if you would. Might as well just ask you. God, and ask that you would just make a way for us to minister to people. Lord, with the right heart, right attitude, and with the light of Jesus. Lord, we ask that you go before us towards West Limestone. God, that you prepare our hearts, prepare the hearts of the community of those that would visit. Lord, if you would see a new work there, God, that you would use us to do so. But Lord, we don't want to run ahead of you or too far behind. Lord, we ask that you would go determine our steps and follow you closely. We thank you once again for giving us this godly purpose to be light in the world. And as we look through your word today, that you would speak to us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, the scripture says, Jesus said, You are the light of the world. 
like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. This again is our conclusion to everyday mission. Joining God on mission to identify people who need the gospel, to invest in those people in the communities around us, and finally to invite others to the good news. From the Sermon on the Mount, this instruction was given, not one-on-one, but this instruction was given from Jesus to his disciples. The crowds were gathering around, the disciples were gathered close, and he gave them this governing instruction, this governing principles for those who live within the kingdom of God. And for the disciples then, and for the disciples now, all who believe and follow Jesus are to influence the world. We who believe and follow Jesus are to make a difference for the glory of God, for the good of man, and for his purposes. This is why we are here. Above what are we doing, this is why we are here and why we do it. He told them in verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. You are the difference maker. You are the flavor. Yes, the salt can make one thirsty. A salt is a preservative. But here, the best application is the salt that makes a difference. We all know that a dish can go from tolerable to tasty with just a dose of salt. Amen? In verse 14, the scripture said again, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. An everyday mission for the follower of Jesus looks like light in the darkness, making a difference for what God values and instructs. Here in just a brief summary statement is what we have studied and where we are going. When we identify people who need the gospel and when we invest our lives through a focused love in that community of people, we must then invite and be ourselves inviting, giving light to those who are searching and needing to see. Today's message is this. Church, those who live and believe in Jesus Christ, follow him as king, trust him as savior. You are the light of the world, shining and inviting, not hidden nor alone. You are the light of the world, shining and inviting, not hidden nor alone. And the first point being, yes, you. You are. That's what Jesus said. He said to his disciples, you are the light of the world. In fact, in John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus said, he is the light of the world. And then he tells us here on the Sermon of the Mount, we are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. We who believe in the Bible, we who are indwelled by the Spirit of God upon salvation, we who have a right and real and working relationship with God through forgiveness and faith in Jesus Christ, because of Jesus and our right relationship with God, the scripture tells the disciples then and the disciples now, we are the eternal light burning in the world that we live in. Oh, we know what it's like to be in darkness. Isn't that right? We know what it's like to be in darkness, to live in sin, to love ourselves apart from God. But now, If we have turned from our sin and turned to God, we've placed our faith in Jesus. We are in line with God's truth and with grace. We are not perfect, but we are credible. We understand where we have been and where we are now, and we simply just want you to go with us. One of our staff members recently shared about being in Lowe's. He said, while I went in there, it seemed particularly dark, 
Like everything, the thing that I was looking for was, I could not see it. It was, it was literally dark in front of me. And what he was seeking out to buy, he could not literally find it because everything seemed strangely dim, as the song said. And what happened was, upon mentioning to an employee there by saying, why can't I see in here or or why is it so dark in here? He realized that he wears prescription glasses. He took those off and put on another pair of sunglasses that were also prescription and he left them on. So he was standing in Lowe's thinking about why Lowe's was in a position of darkness and he needed the light. And so once he realized that he had his prescription sunglasses on, he, he then could trust the truth and shop and live in the light, right? <laughs> but now that he has believed and lived in this truth, for others who have also worn in their prescription sunglasses and can no longer see, he can help them live out the truth and shop in freedom. <laughs> now listen to me. Here's the thing. While he can do that, he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to help those around him who cannot see to see the light. I mean, like he could if he wants to, I guess. But Christian, if you are living in the light and the veil of sin has been removed by the grace of God, it is not you could be the light of the world. It is you are. You are the light of the world. If you live and believe in Jesus, you are the light of the world. Listen to this quote. God will do what we cannot do, but God will not do what we can do. God will do what we cannot do. He will save, but he will not do what we can do. We are plan A to be the light of Christ in the world that we live in. This is the personal responsibility that we all carry. It's our everyday mission for those who are Christians, a difference-making ministry that each of us have who live and believe in Jesus. You see, but often we hope that someone else will reach those that we are praying for. We are hoping and praying that someone will minister to those that we love and that we desire to witness to because while we want them to be saved, we just don't know if we want to do it or not. And by do it, I don't mean save them. I mean witness to them and share with them. See, often we are praying for God to put someone in their path when we're in their path already. Many think that spiritual ministry is reserved for professionals. Well, when Jesus was sitting there talking to the disciples, he was teaching them because they were not professionals. This is the whole point of his teaching. But many seem to think, if you will just talk to them, if you will pray with them, if you will live before them, no, 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 you are the light of the world. We, together, who believe in Jesus, in the community that we live in, in front of people that we have identified who need the gospel, we, together, are the light of the world. It used to be priests and scribes and rabbis that people would take others to, to do something special before them. And don't misunderstand me, I say this every time I bring up this example. If you need us to talk with someone, to minister to someone, to share with someone, we absolutely will. But I won't do that because I'm a pastor. I'll do that because I'm a Christian. Because I follow and live and believe in Jesus was the reason why I would want to share with somebody the truth of the gospel. But often then people would think if, if it's just them that do the professional ministry, we should get people in front of them. Now that has to do with pastors and staff and missionaries and deacons and group leaders. 
But God uses the witness and the words, the light of ordinary people who are born again to share the extraordinary message of the gospel. That is me and that is you. Ordinary people who have the same story of sin with the extraordinary testimony of God's grace and forgiveness over our life to the point of eternal life. Acts chapter six describes Peter and John, ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures, but recognized as men who had been with Jesus. May that all be said of us at the end of our days, amen? Don't sidestep your responsibility. Embrace it. You are the light of the world. This is who you are. You are not a wandering wanderer encouraging people in our world to own their truth. You know who people are that tell people to own their truth? It's people who do not know themselves the truth. That's what you say when you don't know what the truth of God is and don't know what to stand on. That's when you say in our culture, own your truth. Hey, young folks and old folks alike, that is not in the scripture. Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. Own your truth is not something that comes from God. That's something that comes from man because it's easier for us to deal with. If I own my truth, I can do whatever I want to do. You see how easy that is and how broad that is? You cannot be saved of God on the world's terms or your terms. You must be saved under God by his terms. Own your truth, again, is just something that people say that feels good when they don't know what to say and they don't want to tell people they're wrong. Don't sidestep the responsibility of being light. The light of the world. The light of the world. Jesus being the truth of God. The word of God being the word of God. Grounded and growing in truth. In the grace of God. Producing what is good, right, and true, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5. So the first point of today is this. Yes, you, you who believe you are the light of the world. And the scripture goes on to say in verse 14 that we are a city on a hilltop. Shining and inviting, not hidden nor alone. Shining and inviting, not hidden nor alone. A city on a hilltop is what? A city on a hilltop is elevated. A hilltop is a piece of land that rises higher than everything else around it. Now think about what Jesus is saying. You are a city on a hilltop. As we are the people living on that high ground, as the people of God, we are positioned above the world so that everyone will be encouraged to do what? To look up. So that everyone will be encouraged to look up as we ourselves are living not high and mightier, better than you, but living in a way that we did not know before in our sin and raising to the standard of God by the power of God's spirit, we are positioned above the world because a city on a hilltop is higher than the world. Maybe you remember the old hymn, Lord, let, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on what? On higher ground. On higher ground. Now think with me on this. Most cities are built on a lower landform of a plain. But the table, this is good, but the table land for the city that is God's people is a hilltop. It is higher ground. Once again, three weeks in a row, 
our evangelistic difference in the world is connected to our holiness. Again, not our perfection, but our credibility. Our knowing the truth of God that forgiveness is available, but we do not take the grace of God and his forgiveness for granted. We are seeking God. We are living in Christ. We say sorry when we're wrong, and we try to get it right. Our holiness makes a difference with our evangelism. A godly message is delivered best from a godly lifestyle that testifies to the saving and the changing power of God. And if you've wandered in here this morning after a weekend of darkness, know that God's light is still shining. Call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. Confess your sins and know that you can be forgiven. A devotion is getting back to it when you've had a bad day. Amen? Think about this, though. Think about what it means for us to be a city on a hilltop elevated above the world. Do you know what this means? It means that when somebody comes into your office and they've messed up, that they're not going to be met by the swift hand of angry judgment that makes them feel terrible about themselves. It's going to be different from someone who is living above that. That's what the world does. Bottom line, cut you off, you're out. I'm thankful for when I go for the grace of God that he forgives me and there's a mercy of grace being new every morning. Mercy's being new every morning. You see, this, this means the way that we treat people is going to be different. It's going to be elevated. It means it won't be without truth. It means we will speak the truth. We will tell people the truth that that is not right. We will lovingly confront people when they're wrong. It means our responses will be different. It means our actions will be different. It means that before the world looking on, our Saturdays and Fridays won't be different than our Sundays. That's what that means. We will live consistently within and walking with God. If you yourself think to you after three weeks, you think, you know what, I understand that. I understand we've got to be credibly Christian. How do I get there? I mean, seriously, how, how do I get from the place that I am to the place that is higher ground? Well, cities on a hilltop are built on a higher foundation. If you're going to live off your daddy and mama's faith and call it godly, it's not godly unless it is. If you're going to live off of what you've always known in your community as the tradition for a Christian, your community does not determine Christianity. The word of God and the spirit of God do that. And so if you're thinking to yourself, I am stuck in this rut, I can no longer in my own efforts seem to get out of it and be the godly witness I want to, you need to build on a higher foundation. Not a low-level plane of the world, but a hilltop kind of foundation. Setting your sights on the things that are above, the scripture says. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 instructs us to seek things that are above where Christ is, is what the Bible says. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Start your day with the word. Start your day with Jesus. The disciplines we all go back to. Stay in the word. Stay in the church. Stay in fellowship. Practice obedience. Go to God when you're struggling. All of these things, they are built on a higher level. It's not just give yourself a pass and do whatever you feel. That's a low-level kind of living. A city on a hilltop is an elevated city. And a city on a hilltop, you'll be glad to know, is not one, it's many. A city is not made up of one person. A city is made up of many people. Our responsibility is light. It's not always alone. There are some times that the gospel conversations that you will have will be by yourself with somebody else. 
But this teaching was not in a one-on-one setting. It was given to the disciples of Jesus that were gathered around him. In Acts, the early church formed a community. The Bible says they prayed together, they learned together, they fellowshiped together, they ministered together, they moved together. Even in Mark chapter six, when Jesus was leading village ministry, he sent out his disciples, how? Two by two. You're not going alone, you're gonna go together. What's the good in that? Because if you're thinking to yourself, I know I need to go and talk to a family member. I know I need to go minister to my friends. God's put on my heart that I need to go and and talk to whoever. If you go alone and God's spirit is within you, God will use you. Don't throw that out and put it off just because you think that's it. I'm not gonna go until I get somebody with me. Don't put it off through that. That's not what the message is about. But if you get somebody with you to go with you, because again, a city is not one person, it's many. Maybe one is needing to learn from you as you minister and as you witness. And as you take two people, if two are mature, you have two testimonies, two experiences, two minds, two sets of giftings. You know, there are people here that come into the church and have a story that's a mile long wanting to know if there's grace, I begin to think here on our staff and even in our church, who in our church and on our staff has a story like that? So I go and get them with me because now they can identify with you. A city is not a one-man show. There are certain situations where you do have to stand alone, but listen to this, write it down. The rhythms of our lives often allow us to work together. The normal rhythms of our lives often allow us to work together. Some of you that have small kids and they need coaches every year, no matter where you are, at the rec, Christian Academy, wherever it is, they need coaches. That is an opportunity for influence. When you are in charge, guess what you can do? You can control the message. Isn't that manipulation? No, it's called strategy. We are in a spiritual war from what I read How about you get with another person because they'll probably allow you to coach together that's also a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ. Y'all talk about how you're gonna plant seeds in the family and directly tell the kids who are there that there's a bigger picture than ball. You see, that that is strategy towards working together as a city for the glory of God. This is living in the culture counter culturally. Maybe it's time for you to be intentional with a family member about their salvation. You don't ever know what a day is gonna bring And maybe it's time for you to go to them and talk to them about what it looks like to be right with God and just ask them the question, has there ever been a time in your life when you have turned from yourself and turned to God? If you died tonight, do you know that you'd stand right before God? What can you tell me about that? And if that's on your heart and on your mind about the salvation of another, why not get another family member to go with you, someone that that person respects, that you know that they love them and they love the Lord, And it would be good for them to go with you and sit down and talk to them with you, not to bombard them, but to further support them. A city is not just one, a city is many. Did you know that 85% of people who trust Jesus as Lord and Savior do so because they were brought to him by a friend or family member? 85%. Don't downplay who you are. Maybe you don't talk a lot. Well, if you don't talk a lot, sometimes when you do talk, people listen more. And your light shines just like anybody else's. 
Currently in this church right now, there are neighbor, multiple neighborhood Bible studies that are happening in and around this church. Sometimes they come into the building. Sometimes they're just in the neighborhood. They are studying the Bible together. Sometimes they're studying with people in this church. Sometimes it's just Christians that live a few houses down. And they've started an effort to share the word of God with people that are searching and needing to see the light. That's happening right now. You might could do that in your break room. You and another coworker that I'm talking about reaching people, why not in a break? Why not in a time where it'd be good for everybody else and you say, hey, we're gonna study the Bible together if any of y'all wanna join. You may be surprised at how broken people are seeking the light. The church plants that we started in Harvest in Elkmont. Heath Haney, myself, when we were there, Alan Ostrisky, those guys don't just stand in a pulpit and go, everybody come and hear us. That's not what happened. In each circumstance, 20 of you went and started those churches, at least 20. Together, they reached a community that now are two churches that are reaching people left and right, reaching new people in their communities all the time. See, this happens together. This is why church on the road. I'm not gonna go over there with a microphone and a box beside me and go, gather around all of you from West Limestone. Yeah, nobody's coming to that. People reach people. People reach people and not for the glory of a pastor, for the glory of God and the good of man. That's why people are inviting together. You work together so that a church can be built in a place where it needs a new work. A city on a hilltop is many. It's not one, it's many. Listen to the following from a resource I trusted. People need to see the grace of God lived out among a group of people. They need to see other believers repenting and confessing in God's grace and forgiving one another. They need to see the gospel applied to life. Consider your biblical community right now. Are you moving alone? Maybe it's more difficult for you right now because there is no support. You need to be in a group. You really do. I encourage you to consider when the time is right, which is now, and what group for you to consider being a part of because as you begin to serve and minister together, you begin to grow more confident in your witness as you are sharpened by the body of Christ. Listen, as inviting as one light is, a house full of lights welcomes more and with the strength of numbers. Let's talk about the lamp. Jesus said, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. A lamp on a stand is purposed. You are the light of the world. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a bushel. Oh no, right? Okay, there's 30 people that remember that song as a child. No big deal. I always thought it was bush. Hide it under a bush, oh no. It is bushel. Maybe I should have this conversation with a smaller group at a different time. <laughs> no one lights it under a lamp. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Thank God for the New Living Translation, basket. <laughs> Some of you are just like, no. All right. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Only God can give light. And God, listen to this, did not light us to be non-operational. 
God has not lit us up to be non-operational. Fire and light at this time in history were not readily available in the old world. In order to have a flame, people often kept a flame burning under a basket using a less amount of oil, just a little oil, and to be ready for when the night came so that when the night came, they would uncover the basket and use that light that's already in existence. In other words, because the darkness of night was coming, light would be kept at bay and reserved for a later time. Well, here's the thing, church. The world that we live in is dark all the time. So there's no hiding it under a basket for a later time. There's no hiding it under the basket of your unresolved testimony or your insecurities or your Christian traditions that have told you different. There is no hiding it under the basket of temporary priorities. Well, I'm a teenager. I'm gonna live this way until I get ready to be a spiritual light. Now show me where you find, I don't know if I, it's not in there. Well, I'm, I'm a senior adult. We've already lit up the world as long as we can. Now it's time for somebody else. I do not see it. Middle adults, well, we're working. Give me a break. Give me a light where you work. To keep the flame underneath any kind of basket must be uncovered for the light to take effect. It must be considered. You've got to turn the volume up on the Holy Spirit trying to tell you that it must be considered. Or, or to shine on a Sunday morning. To shine on a Sunday morning and in front of some others during one portion of the week, but to conceal it during the weekend or at work or around another certain group of people that's not church-going folks, that is to conceal light from the darkness, which goes against your very redemptive purpose. For you to hang out with one set of friends and not be able to talk about Jesus and the things of God, that's the very time that you should. That's the very time to stand, to lovingly stand upon the truth of God. And I will not participate in those things because that's not who I am in Christ. And y'all y'all gonna get a different version of me or you won't get a different version of me. This is who I am right now, who I am always. One theologian said this, worshipers never leave church. We carry the sanctuary with us wherever we go. A lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. A light shines. A lamp gives light so that one can see in the darkness. How many of you are going to invite someone over to your house and keep the lights entirely off while they're there? Another question may be, who's going to go to that house when they invite you in and you're just sitting there in the dark going, well, this is just super normal, isn't it? A light is to help people to see that's what it's there for all the time. If it's not, get this, it's not a lamp. If it's not, it's not a lamp. What do you mean? If there is a lamp over there in the corner, if it's in a family room, if it's got a power cord and a light bulb and a switch, that's a lamp regardless. Well, does it give light? Well, no, it's not operational. Then it ain't a lamp. It's what? It's decoration. That's what it is. Some of you are laughing like y'all got some of those. I need to get a bulb in that thing, man. Plug that thing up. Its purpose is to provide light. And maybe some would say, well, it does give light sometimes, but not all the time. Well, then it's dysfunctional and it must be repaired. One pastor said that a Christian, in this, a Christian is this world's version of a Bible and some of them need to be revised. 
That's good stuff. Turn to the Lord. Turn for his teaching, the oil of his grace, and even the oil of his correction to get your lamp burning once again. Within the forgiveness of a new life, we exist to shine. Not to shadow, but to shine. And to everyone who needs it. Listen, a lamp in a room full of lamps doesn't give light to a room full of darkness. So hear me, sometimes we are too sheltered. We are scared to death that if we step outside of our house, that the world that we live in is going to cook us and eat us. And we're passing that on to our kids, by the way. So how in the world will we live in the world and light it up but won't fall in love with it if we never go outside to be a light for the people that we've identified who need the gospel? It doesn't even make any sense. Why would God call us to light if he would not send us out into darkness? Now, don't get me wrong. There's a, there's a real purpose for gatherings like this one. That's just as biblical as sending us out. But if we never see ourselves actually taking a step of faith to move for the glory of God and the good of man to be the light before the world, that is growth that we need in our life. In Mark chapter 6, when Jesus sent the disciples out two by two, verse 7 says, he gave them authority to cast out evil spirits. Now think with me. Evil spirits are likely not found within the comforts of Christian fellowship. He sent them out into the villages, but in the worldly communities with people in need. Y'all, you can't reach people if you're not around people. A light that shines is inviting, finally. A light that shines is inviting. Light isn't welcome when? Light isn't welcome when people are asleep. Like right now, for some of you, if we shined a light in your face, it would disturb your sleep, your slumber. Light, light isn't welcome when people are asleep. What did they do? They're like, oh my goodness, turn that off. Light is also not welcome when darkness is desired. Sometimes people don't want the light because they want to sit in the darkness. In both of those situations, there is a resistance. As I poke fun about people nodding off in, in church service, that's in jest. But sometimes there are people in the service that because they are here because somebody's asked them to or they feel that they need to be, but they'd rather just sit in the dark all the time. That's why it's not connecting. In both of these situations, there's resistance. But light, light is desired when people are searching and needing to see. Think about a time in your life when you've been searching in the darkness, needing light. And when it was there, you went in that direction. Or maybe a time where you needed to see, so you turned the light on. Listen, there are people in this world that are searching for good news and needing to see the truth. Really? How do you know that? Because the Bible says the Spirit of God, that's his job, to convict them of their sin and of the righteousness of God and the judgment that is coming. I know that's the truth because that's where we all were before we came to Christ. As an 11-year-old sitting in the back of the service, perking up when the preacher started talking about heaven and hell and salvation and right with God and wrong with God, and God's Spirit began to convict me on the inside of my soul that I was uh, in church, but I was not right with God. 
as that was happening, the conviction, that conviction led to a searching. It led to a who can I talk to? Who can I go to that will share with me how to be saved? I could have walked the aisle. Can't remember if there was an invitation or not. But I know that we give one here every Sunday and there comes a time, it's a decision point where you have to say to yourself, I'm not right with God. I want to be right with God. He said he would help. I'll stand right here and I'll meet him there. And if you think to yourself, hey, that's awesome. Not gonna do that. What else you got? That's why we give you this card Fill it out, place it in the drop box on the way out. We will contact you or you can leave here or even during the invitation, go to someone here who you know is living in the truth and will help you with the next step at the end of the service, right now, whatever, and say, I need to be saved. I believe you're heading in that direction. Will you help me? A light that's shining is inviting Light is desired when people are searching, needing to see. A city on a hilltop. What is that imagery? That is the imagery that gives us the idea of a beacon. The hope that is above, ahead. A a lamp on a stand in the house. That imagery gives us the picture of what is needed to see in the house for everyday life. Light changes the road ahead. Light changes the environment that we all live in. Again, the big picture is disciples of Jesus making a difference in the world. Why? Look at the scripture. So that everyone will praise your heavenly father. We exist, church, for his glory. We exist for good deeds to shine out. And not just good words or not just good ways, but good words. And witnessing to people. The attractive quality of the disciples' lives will appeal to others who are searching for a destination or needing light in their home. Light is inviting. And the scripture says, we are the light. When we have taken our kids around the neighborhood uh, trick-or-treating, we will go. Now, I did not grow up this way. My wife is from the big city of Birmingham. I did not clear her with this. We're going to take a holy risk. (laughs) Brittany's from Birmingham and so when we started having kids and we were going to go trick-or-treating I told her I said well we need to kind of plan this out because we're going to need to drive over to so-and-so's and we probably need to drive over to so-and-so's and we probably need to go from there go from there she's like what are you talking about I was like what are you talking about this is how people trick or treat she's like no I don't know what you're referencing I said, I'm referencing being from the county. That's what I'm referencing. (laughs) Where you pile in a truck and you go to like 15 different family members' houses. And it takes you nine hours, right? (laughs) She goes, okay, well, some of that's good. uh, And we should definitely go to a few of those places you mentioned. But what about if we just kind of go in the neighborhood that we live in? That's kind of what we experienced in Birmingham. And I was like, that is a foreign idea to me. <laughs> so when we, when we started to trick-or-treat in our neighborhood or, or to friends' neighborhoods, this is how it goes. You only go to the houses that what? Where the light is on. What does that mean? You're welcome here. I've got what you're looking for. 
A light that's off says, don't come to me. A light that's off says, you won't find what you're looking for here. Church, our words, our ways, our stupid stances at times are keeping the light off to a world that is looking and needing to see. Will you be a trusted person with your light forever shining so that those who are searching will come and knock on your door? And if you are living in the light, as Jesus is in the light, when you show up to someone with an intentional conversation that you have a right and real relationship with, trust me, they may be taken aback by it, but in the long run, they won't be offended. Because why? Because you love them. The light of Christ, you love them and are simply desiring for them to go to heaven. Be right with God. This is everyday mission. This is what God has called us to as Believers, followers of Jesus Christ to go and to make disciples here, there, and everywhere as it's found in the scripture. This is the word of God. Church, we have to watch our words. We've got to watch our ways and our witness because we are led by the Lord to identify those who need the gospel, to invest in the places around us that need the gospel, and to invite others to hear the gospel. So let me close with these questions. Who are you praying for that needs to be saved? Would you, would you come and lay their name at the altar today? Would you pray for them today for, for knowing and trusting that God's spirit is doing the hard part for you? Would, would you come and be willing and put your life, your yes before God to say, give me an opportunity, help me to be bold. And Lord, I lift their name to you so that your spirit may convict them and draw them to a place of decision. Pray for your family member, your friend, your coworker, your teammate, your fellow student by name. But let me also ask this question. Has someone been praying for your salvation? You're here today. I wouldn't embarrass you for anything in the world. But I would ask you, has someone been praying for your salvation to know whether or not you are saved? And is God's spirit convicting you this morning of sin, convicting you of God's righteousness and your need for God because the judgment is coming? Let's stand to our feet together. I want to open this altar to you today. If you want to come and pray for those people, if you want to come and pray for tonight, if you want to come and pray for Church on the Road, please fill the altar. Do that today. Maybe today, though, you need to walk and talk to somebody that you trust so that you can call on the name of the Lord today before you leave. If you need to join the church, if you need to be baptized, we are here to help you take your next step. Lord, God, may we not be a church that is simply hearers of the word, but we are doers of the word. Lord, that we would live, leave, and live as light in this world. God, we pray for people we care about today. Spirit of God, would you, or as you work on them, Lord, would you use us as we are light to guide them towards the world, towards the word. Lord, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. We ask, oh God, today that you would continue to help us, Lord, to take next steps, further steps of development so that we may become more conformed to the image of Christ. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This altar is open for you. We have people here to help you with your decisions.